This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to the start of Kelly and Rumya, and not only that, but to the start of the week, kicking it off with us here at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm Rumya Amadin. And I'm Danielle McLaughlin. And we are your hosts for the next two hours. Uh, you are buckled in for the ride. I think Kelly McDonald refers to it that way. And it is, just kick it right off, tell everybody what's coming up on today's show, and then get into a piece of conversation that we are uh, wanting to get into. So, here's the lineup. Starting with sports with Brock Richardson, the Scotties Tournament of Hearts concluded this weekend. That's Canadian curling in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and Brock Richards going to recap the event for us. Greg David, our communications specialist at AMI, joins us to talk about some exciting new and returning series you can catch this month on AMI-tv. And in hour two of the show, as it's Monday, we have Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin and a special guest, behind-the-scenes researcher and law student extraordinaire, Brintha Krishna, is joining us on Know Your Rights. I'm really looking forward to that conversation, Danielle, and to see how um, how much research Brintha has put in to our segments for several months and uh, how she's been feeling about all that. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that, too. She's sort of my uh, my secret power. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Always shouting her out. Uh, let's talk about some things here. U.S. Secretary General Antonio Guterres is stressing the importance of legal challenges against climate-wrecking corporations, he called it, uh, like fossil fuel producers. At the opening of the latest session of the Human Rights Council, Guterres ratcheted up his call for the fight against climate change, saying that the environmental damage is one of the biggest threats to human rights. Human rights are not a luxury that can be left until we find a solution to the world's other problems. They are the solution to many of the world's other problems. Uh, the comments came as the council opened its high-level segment at the start of its longest-ever session at more than five weeks. So, Danielle, this is an interesting angle for me. Uh, I think that, you know, we've been talking about climate change from various perspectives, various angles, for obvious reasons. You know, we're trying to connect on all levels and to understand how deeply serious these challenges and issues are and how it's getting exponentially worse. Uh, and therefore, the way that we should be handling it should be getting exponentially better, and yet that's not the case. So every day and all the time, we're just trying to connect with climate change, understand what's going on, and move forward. But this particular conversation about human rights is, I think, um, just a very uh, severe statement that we should be really paying attention to. Well, I think that's right, Ramya. I mean, if you take a look at which countries or which populations suffer the most from climate change, it's the poorest. It's the global mm -hmm. south. It's uh, people who are living well below every country's poverty line. 
Um, who are the biggest polluters? The richest countries. Mm -hmm. And who takes the brunt of it? The poorest countries, of course. Um, but if we were to take a look at what are we going to do now, from the standpoint of human rights, we'd be looking at it quite differently. And I think that's really what Gutierrez is, is trying to say, that we really need to um, look at who's doing what to whom, um, which is you know, a, a human rights standpoint. I'm very interested in, in following what's going on with the Human Rights Council meetings as, as they unfold over the next few weeks. Um, you know, it's interesting to see who is complaining about whom. Uh, you know, we see that that some of the worst uh, human rights um, attackers like Russia, um, like Belarus, like uh, China, these countries are on this council and they're there to try to um, move the blame someplace else. Right. But what we when you look at war, I mean, what is a greater human rights um, destruction than war? War is the worst. And it war also destroys the environment. So if you look at, say, parts of Ukraine right now, parts of Syria, um, you can see that war has caused in, just intense suffering mm -hmm. to all kinds of people. These are terrible human rights uh, uh violations and people sometimes think of the environment as just being something out there you know in the woods um instead of where we live each and every day so we need to pay attention to this we need to think from a rights-based perspective and hope we can make some changes I'm afraid that like with many other arguments around climate change and the back and forth and tug of war uh, that people and, you know, entire countries or governments' powers will not take accountability for the human rights angle of climate change either, which is very well, it, worrying. It's, it's very worrying because, again, it's the people who suffer the most who continue to suffer the most. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like it's getting better. Um, we can we can hope that people are listening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For the generations moving forward. Thanks, Daniel, for your comments. We're going to take a break and come back with more of Kelly and Ramia. On Mondays, we have Tech Talk with our uh, with Michael Babcock. And today he has some important updates for us. Ira users, there's a new update for you. We'll be right back. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back. You're tuned into Kelly and Ramya on AMI. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate viewership from AMI-TV and listenership from AMI-audio. And anytime you can go and check out the podcast, please do by searching for Kelly and Ramia wherever you love to listen. And this is all, of course, through our technology. So let's get into more of this tech talk with Michael Babcock. news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Rumia. Michael joins us every Monday to talk tech, and today he joins myself and Danielle McLaughlin. And we're going to start with Samsung, Michael. So they had an event last week. What did they announce? 
Yeah, so Samsung announced their S23 phone, which like every year when something new comes out, the uh, highest priority is to express how uh, effective the cameras are. So there's a lot of focus put on the cameras for the S23. The S23 is going to come with a, of course, longer battery life. Uh, They have it in three different models for the S23 for Samsung. And and uh, that, that is available, I believe, now, actually. So you can purchase it and have it. I will not be switching to an S23. We had an S22 that sat on a shelf, and I didn't really do much with it. I need to get back into my Android game, though. Admittedly. Oh. Uh, and then Samsung released the Samsung Galaxy Book, and this is a Windows laptop. It looks, from what everyone has said to me, like they're trying to compete against the Apple MacBook Pros, um, and that that's this, a similar style, and it is running Windows, which means it'll be a full-fledged laptop, and your screen reader should work just fine on it, and those were announced at Samsung's Unpacked event. When you say they're uh, competing with the MacBook Pro, are you talking about style, like physically? I think style and okay. speed. Right. So uh, Apple's obviously gone a long ways with the M processors. And so now Samsung and other manufacturers of laptops need to figure out how they can how can they make their laptop there being Samsung or the other manufacturer stand out? Is it going to be, it's going to be as fast or is it going to be, this can work for 24 hours in a Mm. row. And honestly, Mm -hmm. just throwing a cellular antenna can make a big difference. When my wife got her MacBook pro last year, her first question was, well, how do I connect it to the cellular network? I'm like, you you can't. And she said, why not? Because you can do it to the iPad pro. So why can't you connect a, a MacBook air or MacBook pro? Interesting. Now, who do you think will want to upgrade to these devices? I think people who maybe you didn't have the S22 in the instance of the phone that you're looking to upgrade, or maybe uh, like maybe you have an S21 or an earlier phone, or you, you're interested in the Samsung experience and you want to jump into that um, also, if you're on Windows and you have, you know, a couple year old computer, three, four years old, um, and you already are a Samsung user, that may be a good excuse to jump into the Samsung uh, Galaxy Book world so you can see how all of those devices connected in the same ecosystem will work together. All right. Uh, thanks for that quick update. Now let's talk Chat GPT because they announced a plan last week to charge and make money with this tool. Oh my gosh, we're so shocked. So what was released? <laughs> so so first of all, Romeo and Kelly, I, I sent both uh, to, because I imagine Kelly's listening, I sent both of you an interesting report on each of you that Bing created. So it's what? not ChatGPT, but I got access to Bing. So uh, check your email when you get oh some time to uh, read it. It's, it's very interesting. It even has uh, Kelly's origination story story of apparently an AM station he was on. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, and, now and I'm has, it, it, it is not, one quick thing about it, it is not mostly accurate because it tagged Kelly and Rumia as a weekly show on video that, that uh-huh. recaps what was done on the Kelly and company show daily. So it didn't put both of those together yet, but it's really interesting where it comes from. And to get back to the question, ChatGPT did announce a $20 a month service. If you're interested in faster responses to ChatGPT, um, I have what's called a 
a because of course I had to go pay for it once they released this. So at the top, I have a different language model. There's the uh, default, and then it says legacy. So I believe that the newer uh, chat model will give you more details in your uh, text that you're trying to generate. It is twenty dollars a month, but after I got access to Bing last week, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to keep paying for it. Honestly, well. I, is this worse than Googling yourself? It really sounds quite unpleasant if uh, what um, you sent to Ramya and Kelly. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's unpleasant, but it, it definitely services things you might not find in a traditional mm -hmm. Google search. And and I th because in a Google search, you have to click through to each of the web pages if the information is yeah. not included in that snippet, whereas these chat tools will go in and do that research for you. And because they're running on super powerful computers, they're a lot faster than someone reading the content, selecting the link, consuming the content, mentally processing it, and then going back and getting more information. Yeah. Yeah, the okay, process so itself. That's interesting. So Chat GPT got an update that made its responses more reliable. What did they change? Yeah, so they they discovered that some of the responses that Chat GPT may not have been the most accurate or or reliable and that's something I think people playing with this text generation tools such as Bing and ChatGPT need to be aware of is everything's not accurate. As I previously mentioned where uh, Bing thought Kelly and Romeo was a weekly show. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things that they changed in ChatGPT is they did improve the uh, reliability of facts that were shared, and they did make some modifications to the underlying technology that kind of I don't want to say restricts, but it does. It, it restricts a little bit of some of the information you get just to make it more accurate and uh, more reliable. How could someone use ChatGPT to make travel plans? So I thought this was interesting. And uh, going back, and I can't emphasize it enough to the accuracy and importance of fact checking, uh, you could use ChatGPT to uh, tell it, hey, I want to take a trip to Europe. And hey, I want to visit these countries while I'm traveling. And I'm really fond of radio. So can you highlight some of the radio museums that might be in that in that yeah. in those cities? And then you can go and reprompt it. And I think we're going to hear a lot about prompts in the in the near future if you haven't already started hearing about it. Because once it gives you that, you can say, well, you know, I'd actually like to visit this country first and then this country second. So reorganize my my agenda. And then you can tell it uh, something like write an email to my family to let them know where I'm going to be at what time. And then ChatGPT will take the data that it's already gathered for you, write an email with those agenda times, and then you can send that off to your friends or family so they're aware of where you're traveling to. Was it going to say, gee, wish you were here? Or <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you could tell it, write it in, in the style of wishing you were here. Or some people said, write it in the style of a pirate. So you'll get pirate right. input too. <laughs> that sounds great. I love it. So seeing AI version 5.0 was released last week. Um, can we start by explaining to someone what this app is? So Seeing AI is an application that was produced by Microsoft, and it was released, uh, or it does have a couple of features that allow you to get constant text. So if you point the camera at text information or information that has text on it, like signs or a computer screen, then the phone will start reading that data to you. There's also a product 
a barcode scanner, which allows you to point the phone at a barcode, and then uh, you can scan it. And if there's any details in the in the package with the barcode, that information will be shared with the user. And there is currency identifier in several different countries that will allow you to identify currency. But probably one of the more popular features is the uh, world feature, where you can go in and see things that are in your environment. So if there's a chair, you can get those type of details from the Seeing AI application. And most importantly, for myself and a lot of users, the Seeing AI application is free and it is only available on iOS. It is a marvelous app for so many reasons and a very quick go-to uh, when you need information. What's new in the new version 5.0? Um, so what's new in version 5.0 for seeing AI is uh, the there is now a indoor route tool. So if you use this tool, you can have someone take you on a route inside of a building while running seeing AI, and then you can have them walk you back and do a second route, and then you'll be able to follow those routes while using the seeing AI app. Now, this to me sounded very familiar to an app called Clue, K-L-E-W, which does something similar, except for in my opinion, it's a little bit better uh, because all you have to do is set a route one time and then you can reverse that route. You don't have to set two different routes, uh, but it's available and it can be used in the Seeing AI application. And it really makes you wonder what else is uh, Microsoft with the power of AI going to be coming up with in the very near future? What uh, can is you it tell using? it to take me home? Can you, just <laughs> you can tell it, take me to the front door when I'm off work. So that way you can catch your Uber so you can go home. True. That's good. True. <laughs> um, what is it using, Michael? Like what's the technology that it's using to create these indoor routes for you? It's my understanding, and, and I haven't broken it down that much, but it's my understanding that it's using the uh, camera and some images that it's seeing, the accelerometer in the phone to determine how the phone has been moved. Mm -hmm. And for phones that have LiDAR, it'll use the LiDAR feature in order to map things that are in the environment. Okay, cool. Very cool. So Ira made another announcement that's important for users wanting to use add-on minutes. What do we need to know before tomorrow, February 28th? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's been forever since we talked, since I was off for family day. Uh, so <laughs> tomorrow, Ira is taking the plan uh, or the pricing of their add-on minutes. So as we all know, uh, in January, Ira increased the price of the monthly plans uh, for non-subscribers or new subscribers. You do get to keep your current plan through December of 23 um, if you're on a plan. But through tomorrow, they're also allowing you to buy the add-on minutes at the 2022 prices. After tomorrow, the rates go up to the new 2023 prices, which is not an insignificant increase. And your plan minutes are used before your add-on minutes. So if you're interested in this and it fits into the budget and you can make it happen, uh, it's suggested to reach out to Ira, pick up a couple of uh, add-on minutes before tomorrow because they are, they are very strict on those deadlines. I have a friend who called February first and they're like sadly the the pricing has changed so he had to get in at the 2023 pricing so keep that in mind not at all like the password sharing debacle with netflix <laughs> <laughs> and their deadlines okay i'm so glad we're getting to this we only have a couple minutes though an article called blind in 2040 specs on deck chairs what life could be like in 2040 uh, for a blind user came out so what are some of the suggestions shared in this article 
Yeah, so I got some ideas from this article for an article or for a podcast that me and an AI created a couple of weeks ago called What is Reality? And it was where I used a text-to-speech engine and chat GPT to generate a script that came from some of these ideas that were in this article. So some of the things that they mentioned were a blind person may have some uh, virtual reality glasses that will give them additional information based on where they are and events that are in their calendar and uses technology and the data that we are already giving to technology now to be able to help simplify the life of a blind individual, being able to summon your car to your exact location because of the data that you have with the technology that you have, and uh, being able to uh, uh, get to your destination and then get that last hundred yard directions of, oh, no, you need to step to the right mm-hmm. three feet to go around this bush. And so it's it's super exciting. And 2040 sounds like a long ways away, but honestly, it's it's sadly really not that far away yeah wow so cool michael i i'm i really am looking forward to because it's it's some of these tiny bits of information that we're missing right like the bigger picture scenarios get figured out or mostly figured out and then you're thinking okay but how about that last little bit or how about this Mm -hmm. you know two roots instead of just reversing the one uh but awesome information we'll talk to you next week thanks a lot you guys have a great show thank you Michael Babcock joining us every Monday for Tech Talk. And we got everything from Ira to Seeing AI to Samsung and 2040, what it's going to look like for blind people. After the break, we're talking sports with Brock Richardson. And we're highlighting the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts because it concluded this weekend in Saskatchewan. We also have all kinds of other things to talk about with him. Stick around. This is Kelly and Ramya. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. We're back. It's Kelly and Ramya. Thanks for joining us on AMI. And speaking of AMI, there are fantastic podcasts and shows for you to check out on AMI-audio. You can catch The Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific. And Joey the Gupta, the host of the show, is speaking to Eliza Arneson, founder and chair of O'Shea Community Foundation for Black Canadians with Disabilities. And she's speaking about the advocacy aspect of being black and disabled in Canada. Riveting discussions, as always, weekly on The Pulse. This Thursday at 1.30 p.m., you can catch that discussion. And if you miss it, check out the podcast on AMI-audio or sorry, check out the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can also go on YouTube for the video podcast. Danielle McLaughlin and Ramya Amuddin, the hosts today for Kelly and Ramya. We're starting our week off with the latest sports updates. Our own Brock Richardson of the Neutral Zone will give us the headlines. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus Parasport news and analysis. Welcome, Brocky. Hey, guys. Nice to be along with you. And we got lots to discuss today in sports, so looking forward to it. Yes, we do. What's your leadoff? Uh, let's start with the uh, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, which concluded, as you aptly mentioned before the break, uh, there were so many storylines. Uh, Kerry Anderson, who was representing Canada, uh, was uh, going for her fourth consecutive 
title. She was up against Manitoba's Jennifer Jones, which even if you're not a curling person, you probably recognize both of those names I just gave you. As I mentioned, there were um, things on both sides uh, of this. So let's start here with uh, Team Canada before I give you the final result. Um, Team Canada had their opportunity to win their fourth straight Scotties, which has only been done by the one and only Colleen Jones. Um, this is the second event in a row where she has been able to come through the back door uh, to the final and did not get a direct berth into the final. Kiri Anderson, that is. And uh, Sh- Shannon Burchard for Team Canada. She has made some history uh, participating in five Scotties and making the final in four, five, all five of them. So that was sort of the history going into that for Team Canada. Then if we look at um, Team Manitoba, Jennifer Jones had a chance to uh, beat a record of winning seven in, in uh, Scotties in general. No one else has done that uh, ever. But needless to say, the end result of this was a 10-4 victory for Team Canada. So they will be representing Canada at the World Championships in Sweden in a couple of weeks. Wow. What are your uh, thoughts on the champion who won the event? Uh, listen, um, like, I starts and stops with their skip, uh, Carrie Anderson, who really is the heartbeat of that team. She runs the team. She knows what she's doing. She can call shots. She can say, this is what I want you to do. Their coach, Reed Carruthers, is a current player on the men's side who literally comes out and says, guys, this is what I want you to do when it's timeout. Like when they call timeouts and the coach comes out, he says, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put the stone here. I want you to throw this weight. As opposed to some coaches who come out, guys, and say, well, what do you think? Well, I think maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other thing. Whereas Reed comes out and says, very definitively, I want you to do this. I want you to use this weight, and I want you to execute it. He's very, very definitive and sure of what he wants to do. And like I said, Shannon Burchard, five appearances only at the Scotties, and she's won all five. She participated with another team who won uh, her first year, and then she won four straight with Kiri Anderson. So tons and tons of stories here, but they are set up to be really good for the world championships and they're one of the only teams that have stayed completely together for this four-year cycle and when you look at consistency consistency proves to be king here because look at they won yet again yeah the leadership um approach is very different right the coaching approach is very different and especially with the team sport uh like any other it's kind of an interesting thing to point out to say the coaches coaching and not necessarily um wanting to get opinions yeah and like this is carrie said it right from the beginning i want reed to act as though he's a player he plays on the men's side i want him to chart to watch not from the outside necessarily i want him to think if if we called you out right now what would you do and he comes out with a very definitive and says this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to execute it. And there's virtually no discussion as to what um, 
what what happens he very much says this is what i want you to do and it executes as opposed to getting three or four different options and then you're standing there wondering well which of the four do we do right. and they've, only, they've only got 90 seconds to 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 figure this out so if the coach comes out with his one idea it takes a lot of the guesswork out beyond that mm-hmm. i guess it's and then they actually the, the important part is that they actually do what he tells them to do yes, right yes Right. And I think, too, guys, the other part of this as well is that, yeah, the execution, Danielle, is the important piece. But if if you're getting three or four different options, you might be in the hack where you're throwing the stone and going, well, what if I play this option or what if I play that option? You might be in your own head, whereas if there's only one option, the only thing left for you to do is execute it. All and of the instructions. I, I would yeah. say I would say over 70 percent of the time it's it's done well and there's no guess into like, did I make the right call? Because there was only one option given by the coach. Yeah, so much to say in in getting to know your players and getting to know the coach and getting to know, you know, which, uh, what works best for the team. And obviously this approach is working really well. Let's talk about kind of a reflection on last week, Brocky, because you were listening to some shows and... On Wednesday, we chatted with Corinne Van Dusen for our entertainment report, and she was talking about Julie Black changing the lyric, one word, uh, for O Canada during her performance. And you have some poignant thoughts and perspectives on this. So this is your cut for time. Yes, it is. It is. I literally made this and thought, I want to talk about this, and I want to bring it into what's happening currently. Uh, First of all, I agree with the change. I think it's a good... um, a good thing. I so think, this is you know, just to let people know if you weren't listening, uh instead of home and native land, it was home on native land is what she sung. Yes. I and I I I absolutely agree with this. I think we need to acknowledge this. We spend so much time acknowledging on different programs. We'd like to acknowledge we're broadcasting from, you know, this native land. I think it's a great change. I, I support it. Uh, where I see the biggest problem, when you go to sporting events, when we get to the last couple of lines of the national anthem, it, invariably you hear uh, crowd members hooting, hooting, hollering, and saying, let's go whichever team they're watching, and they don't necessarily finish the anthem. I, I think that, for me, is the thing that we need to take a look at, either as an audience you need to respect the anthem or at sporting events if we're not going to choose to respect it then we need to get rid of it entirely because to me the most annoying thing as an athlete who represented their country many many times and got to hear the national anthem overseas and all this when you're disrespecting it like that and going ahead of the anthem and and moving on to the game at hand i think that's disrespectful and I don't think there's a place for it. So for me, if you're not going to respect it, you might as well get rid of it at sporting events because you're doing more of a disservice by not respecting it than you are respecting it. A little bit like uh, stomping on the flag. It's nice to have the flag there, but not. But it depends on how you treat the flag. I, I just wanted to point out that uh, as of, I think, yesterday, Julie Black has been receiving some absolutely hideous uh, comments um, and posts very racist, very ugly, uh, because of making this one word change. And I think um, we really need to listen to what she has to say and ask, why are people so terribly exercised over this single word? And uh, 
telling yeah. her she should go back to her country of origin. By the way, that would be Canada. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, pretty ugly, pretty ugly yeah. stuff. But on on a happier note, the um, Major League Baseball season is coming soon. And it means that we are involved in spring training games, even though the results don't necessarily mean a whole lot right now. Uh, what do you look for in any team to accomplish in spring training to know whether they're ready for the regular season, Brock? Uh, the first response I have for you both is one that sort of seems Captain Obvious. And I and I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I also believe it as well. I think what you need to do is you need to stay away from injuries. I think what, ha- what invariably happens in spring training is we get to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to play X number of games and somebody gets injured, and then you're just like, oh, man, now we're down a start. George Springer was injured in spring training and really never recovered last year. And so you want to get the best out of your team and say, well, um, you know, this is this is what we're going to get. But you also want to be careful of injuries. What I'm looking for is injury, in, um, lessening the amount of injuries you have and also seeing that that how big the change is going to be um in regards to with a pitch clock because now we have uh 15 seconds from the pitcher that has to execute the throw so now you see less of a uh, of you know throwing over and and trying to get runners off the bases i want to see how those rules are implemented i think that it'll be good that these rules are implemented and it's a good time to do it um, but it's how you're going to adapt with these rules, and now's the best time to figure out how you're going to adapt. If Major League Baseball finds out something about these rule changes that doesn't work, now's the time to adjust it, as opposed to middle of the regular season and say, oh, man, we should have done this or that, and it's really dragging out the game, and, and that's that. I think now's the time you want to tweak these things and move forward. I'm also looking forward to see what John Schneider does. This is his first year as full manager as he took over for Charlie Montoyo midseason uh, last year. And uh, we'll see what happens. But again, I caution people who are like me, because I am one of these people who say, oh, spring training is so long and, and uh, March 30th can't come soon enough when the Blue Jays take the field. This is all a process and we have to iron out the kinks for players to play hundred and you know, 62 games in a year, they have to work their muscles out and say, this is what I, I need to do. And so we need to understand the purpose of spring training and kind of understand that there's a reason it's so long, even though fans mm-hmm. like me, it's kind of like, eh, this is taking too long. And of course we're, you know, people are excited, fans are excited. And um, there are certain sports, if you're just uh, like absolutely in love with it, you're going to be uh, hyped and the closer it feels, the the longer it feels, right? The closer it gets. Um, but definitely, you know, athletes and as you've been mentioning, people know the importance of offseason and uh, the time leading up to it. Before we go, Brock, you want to tell us what's coming up on this week's Neutral Zone edition? Yes, we're going to be joined by uh, Paralymp- Paralympian uh, para ice hockey player Anthony Gale, who's going to be talking to us about his career and uh, what that was like. He's also made a switch to wheelchair curling. He also is going to give us some pretty poignant thoughts on what has happened with Team Canada 
in para ice hockey and hockey canada and what can be improved and see them win another medal as the last time they've done that is torino 2006 so great conversation coming up uh tomorrow as it uh, drops well we're looking forward to it thank you very much brock brock thank Richardson. you hits us with the latest sport updates on Mondays. Plus, check him and the gang out on the Neutral Zone Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and available on YouTube as a video podcast. Lots more coming your way on Kelly and Remia after the break. Oh, we've been highlighting so many fantastic things on AMI. Might as well tell you more of the new and returning TV shows coming up this month on AMI-TV. Greg David has that for us on the show after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Monday, we like to check in with AMI highlights. I'm Ramia Amadin. Tania McLaughlin is also here. This is Kelly and Ramia. And these Monday uh, segments are fun, very fun. We get to learn about new things going on at AMI, things that are coming back. And today, Greg David, who's our communication specialist uh, here at AMI, is joining us for new and returning series that you can catch this month coming back to AMI TV and he usually joins us every other week to talk TV anyway so this is really right up his alley. Greg thanks for joining us. <laughs> Too much TV right? Are you getting tired of me yet? No no. <laughs> Somebody's got to keep us posted. <laughs> okay thanks. You're the perfect guy for it. So we have a brand new series called uh, Ness, Burby, Ness Murby Transcending and before we discuss it a little more in depth Let's check out a trailer. First, openly trans male Paralympian. Oh, yes. I compete in men's F11 discus, para class for least or no functional vision. This has been the most transformative year of my life. As an athlete, first time dad, husband, and social justice advocate. Join me as I change the game. Ness Murby, transcending. Premieres March 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. Wow, that sounds like an amazing show and really unique to AMI. Can you tell us more about Ness Murphy? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, Danielle, this is really unique and very different for AMI. Uh, so Ness Murby, as he mentioned, is a justice, equity, diversity and inclusion brand strategist and counselor and Paralympian. Uh, he's Ooh. represented three countries in three parasports. So he's not only represented Canada, but also Australia and Japan in his career. And the three sports that he's done that in were uh, goalball, powerlifting and now para athletics and specifically. Specifically, um, he competes in uh, in discus uh, in in the Paralympics for Canada. He holds world records as well as world. Uh, uh, he holds world records as well as continental and national titles. And in 2020, Ness came out as trans, and as the first openly trans Paralympian, he's carving out a space for future generations. And he's going to do that not only through a show like Ness Murphy Tran uh, Transcending, but also on the world stage, uh, where he currently competes in men's F11 discus, and he's aiming for the 2024 Paralympics. And if that name, if Ness Murphy sounds familiar to you, uh, prior to the sh uh, to this show, Ness participated in Mindset Go, also for mm. AMI. TV, as 
well as being the host of the AMI Emergency Series. So we know a lot about Ness, and we're so glad that uh, Ness is opening the doors not only to talk about his life, um, but also his uh, sporting career as well. Ness is just doing so much. You know, like there's just so much yeah. that Ness is up to, uh, sports and otherwise. So it's really, really incredible um, that we're going to continue keeping in touch with Ness. What can viewers expect when they tune into the show? You know, it's funny. I just want to go back for a second. You said about him being busy. He and Eva uh, and his family are currently in uh, Arizona right now training. So when I caught up with Ness and Eva last week to talk about media interviews, they were in the middle of that. So wow. not only were they juggling the time zone change, but also the training that he's been doing in Phoenix. Um, but when people tune into Ness Murby Transcending, this is, I've seen the first two episodes and it is intimate and it's also unflinching because it's following Ness and his family as they navigate the emotional emotional and physical challenges of gender transition. He's injecting himself weekly with testosterone, uh, talks all about doing that and actually uh, injects himself on camera, which uh, I'm not huge on needles. Um, <laughs> but also, as they said in the trailer, he's also juggling the stresses of first-time parenthood and uh, and really breaking down the barriers in the world of sports. You really get an intimate behind-the-scenes look at what it means for a Paralympian to actually be training in hopes of making it to the Paralympics. Mm. Um uh, Ness uh, completely lost his sight as a teenager, so not only, you know, he's no stranger to adversity, but in this series, he's really going to be pushed to his limit. And like I said, the first two episodes were really emotional to uh, watch, um, and, you know, he's battling social stigma through the first season of this show, uh, discrimination, the physical limitations of his transitioning body, um, but, uh, you know, he's carving out a new space for himself in men's discus division on the national team, and he really wants to pave the way for trans acceptance in a elite sport. And I think that that's something that's really important as well. You know, we talk about inclusion all the time at AMI and this is, you know, talks, this is a show all about inclusion for all. Right. right. And uh, I definitely think that not only is there going to be that, but there's also going to be an awful lot of interesting discussion about how people feel about Ness, uh, who uh, identifies now as male competing in uh, men's competition. Mm hmm. Well, it certainly will lead to plenty of discussion. I, you know, when you talked about discrimination, I, it would be interesting to find out all the different ways in which Ness is being discriminated against. Uh, sounds like there's a lot to be talked about here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the good news is the reason I was speaking to Ness last week is because he's going to be doing media for this show. And uh, and I'm planning on getting him on, on Kelly and Ramya. So you'll be able to ask him those questions. 100%. 100%. Uh, when can we start watching Ness Murphy Transcending? Yeah, so the teaser I uh, gave that to you. It's Ness Murphy Transcending debuts Wednesday, March the 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. So that's next Wednesday, which you can stream episodes post-broadcast on AMI.ca as well as the AMI-tv app. Now, the second series you're going to speak with us about is season four of Hashtag I Got This. Remind us what this series is all about. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, filmed in Saskatchewan by a great company called Honeycut Studios, and they also do Healthy at Home, which is our yoga program. Uh, and uh, in Hashtag I Got This, we meet everyday people who've discovered ways to cope with a physical disability or mental health challenges and move forward with their lives. I love it. Uh, who are some of the people that we meet in season four? 
It's interesting. Uh, each episode of Hashtag I Got This uh, has a theme, and it features two people in the Saskatchewan area. So in the first episode, it's about dealing with chronic pain. And so we meet a nursing student named Jenna and her family as they fight to figure out the cause of sudden and excruciating pain in her face. Uh, and meanwhile, we catch up with Gail, a mother of three, who eventually discovers how to live a balanced life battling her own facial pain in the second episode it's the story of matthew and jared who are two gentlemen that talk about the after effects of long covid and the you know the 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 long-ranging effects of having that and then future episodes of hashtag i got this look at gaining independence following horrific car accidents and also women's issues uh, dealing with endometriosis and chronic pelvic pain so really interesting and again in, in intimate stories about uh, about everyday uh, canadians that you can check out on hashtag i got this and when can we watch new episodes of hashtag i got this you'll be able to see new episodes of the show mondays at 8 30 p.m eastern beginning on march the 20th don't worry if you head to ami.ca we'll be able to let you know about that uh and again you can stream past episodes and seasons of hashtag i got this on ami.ca and the ami tv app a great hashtag just saying i like that yeah yeah, yeah it is yeah it's very it's very creative isn't it hashtag i got this it's mm. it's built right into be for social media exactly and and it's built right into the conversations of you know resilience and mm -hmm. uh, all of these different things that are featured in the stories okay let's talk mary mamalini who joins us weekly now on the show of course very familiar on kelly and Remia, uh, but she's returning with a new season of dish dish with mary let's listen to a trailer for this one I'm Mary Mamaliti. I'm a low vision cook, a culinary expert, and I'm the host of Dish with Mary. What it's about is cooking. We interview chefs. So we do an interview, we get to cook along with them, and I show how I adapt in the kitchen to do the same thing. But what I love about this is that there really is no right way. There's just a way to make delicious food, and the chefs work with us, which is really cool. Dish with Mary. New season starts March 16th on AMI-tv. Well, as we just heard, the new season kicks off March 16th. Can you remind folks what Dish with Mary is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, like uh, Rami said, uh, Mary Mamaliti, no stranger to the Kelly and Rami audience. And of course, she knows her way around the kitchen. She comes on and talks about kitchen tips, what's hot, you know, foods at Christmas time and, and all that. And uh, she proves it on Dish with Mary, doing cook fun cook-alongs with renowned Canadian chefs. Uh, and each uh, episode of Dish with Mary is going to focus on one chef uh, and they uh, create one dish together. And of course, Mary Mamaliti's got such a great sense of humor. So there's always a lot of laughs, a bunch of tips, and uh, and also, uh, you know, tons to dish about, if I'm using the play on words correctly, right? Dish with Mary, dishing on things with Mary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah that was great, well girl. Good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> give us a hint. Give us a hint on who she might be cooking with some of these big chef names. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also, I do want to mention that this season was filmed on an all-new kitchen set in Winnipeg Ooh. with the great folks at Frank Digital's show. This, so the show is still the same, but it's going to look a little bit different. And the first episode of the show, Mary travels to Winnipeg to meet Chef Tommy Schneider. He's the winner of the national pizza competition in Naples, Italy. So pizza chef. <laughs> Hacking that's really yeah. keep cranking out that food, especially after the you know the last couple of years when there have been severe challenges due to the pandemic. For sure. Well, I have to say that whenever I, I, I now react like Pavlo's dog, when I hear Mary's name, I get hungry. Yeah. Um, these uh, 
This all sounds extremely yummy. Will the recipes be available on the website like that they have in the past? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the recipes like they have in the past are going to be easy to follow, nothing too difficult for folks. So even someone like myself can do it. If you go to ami.ca slash dish dash recipes, you'll be able to find past recipes uh, from the past couple of seasons of the show, as well as the new ones once uh, once the new season kicks off. Okay, give us a reminder one more time when the season kicks kicks off. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Dish with Mary kicks off Thursday, March the 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. Check it out on the website and on the AMI-tv app. Sweet. Okay, now I think we have time for one more item. Can you tell us about the new AMI original documentary, Mother Tongue? Yeah, sure. And uh, and we do have a broadcast change that might be coming up. But right now, I can tell you that it's a document who's dead. And there is long in this. We have MP on Thursday. On AMI-tv and just the representation of that from now come. With our community TV shows on AMI-tv, uh, most of that coming to us in March. So keep an ear out and go to AMI.ca for more details. Coming up in hour two of Kelly and Ramia, let's talk O&M, orientation and mobility specialist Mark Rankin is joining us with a special guest, Jean Mark, um, to talk about the We Walk Smart Cane, new technology uh, put into old technology, so we'll find out more about that. We also have Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin and another special guest, behind-the-scenes researcher and law Law student extraordinaire Brintha Krishna is joining us. But after the break, we have our community report, the first one of the week with Kim Kilpatrick in Ottawa. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI TV. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.